0: We sometimes think of storms and difficulties as working against us. But as we'll learn next on Abounding Grace, God can actually accomplish something good through them. You know, sometimes a setback comes in your life, a serious one and a painful
1: one. It might seem it's so huge and monumental and that you'll never recover. But in reality, it becomes the best thing that could have ever happened to you. Maybe you wouldn't have gotten that new job if you wouldn't have lost the previous one. Perhaps you would never be involved in that brand new ministry that you're in had God not closed that door you were looking to in another place. Maybe you would have never found that special man or that special woman that the Lord had personally picked out for you if you had remained forever in that previous relationship that was so painful when you broke up.
0: This is amazing grace. When it's so difficult you can't hold on any longer, it's good to know there's one holding on to you who will never let you go. But why does God allow it to get so difficult in the first place, especially for his children that he loves and are seeking to follow in obedience? We'll get some answers today on Abounding Grace as Pastor Ed Taylor opens Acts 27. We're in the middle of a series called Help for the Troubled Heart. And today, we'll learn that there are a variety of storms that come our way. And sometimes, Jesus actually sends us into them for our good and His glory. Acts chapter 27
1: is where we'll start, and it will end up in John chapter 6. Acts chapter 27, John chapter 6, in a Bible study that I've entitled, Sometimes Jesus Sends Us Into a Storm. Sometimes Jesus sends us into a storm, and as we have been learning about the hope that's found only in Jesus Christ, we've been reminded time and time again that all of us will face difficulties in life. They may be different difficulties that we face, but the result will be the same. Bring us to a place of brokenness. Bring us to a place of pain. Bring us to a place of desperation. And the Christian is not immune to the difficulties of life. Things don't get better often, but harder in life. And it reminded me of a story, the true story of the Apostle Paul when he was on a boat at the end of the book of Acts in Acts chapter 27. There's just a couple verses there that as we learn from those verses, it sounds a lot like our lives so many times. Notice with me verse 4 of Acts chapter 27. It says, And we had put out to sea from there. We sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea, which is off Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, the city of Lycia, and the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy. And he put us on board, and when he had sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty off Snidus, the wind not permitting us to proceed, we sailed under the shelter of Creed off Salmone, passing it with difficulty. We came to the place called Fair Havens. I marked a few things to note. The winds were contrary. They were traveling slowly for many days. They arrived, but with difficulty. But then the wind didn't permit them to go forward. And then finally they did pass by, but it was with difficulty. That sounds so much like our lives. Contrary things. Life seems to be in slow motion many days, weeks, or years. We arrive, but with difficulty. We, we want to move forward, but the wind doesn't permit us. And then finally we do arrive, but it was with great difficulty. You see, growth and strength for the Christian doesn't come overnight. Maturity for the believer doesn't come by living life what we would call smooth sailing with no problems. And isn't it true? There are promises in the Bible that we just don't like, Promises like what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. He said, yes, all who desire to live a godly life will suffer persecution. I'm sure that's not written on your mirror in your bathroom. I'm sure when you wake up in the morning, you go, oh, Lord, I'm going to claim the promises of you today, God. And I claim the promise that Paul told Timothy. He's going to have a hard life. Lord, give me a hard life today. Now, if you do pray that, would you please email me? I think we need to talk to you. And encourage you. I mean, we're not asking for that. My prayer in the morning is, Lord, I'd I, I like your will, but I'd like a good day. Can you give me a good day, Lord? I'm praying for good days. Anybody else praying for good days? Sometimes good days involve storms. Because it is true for us. And that's not a promise we're sharing with people. Or in Acts chapter 14, the Bible says that we must, through many tribulations enter into the kingdom of God. And yet, isn't it true through these trials and tribulations that God grows us up? And He allows tailor-made storms just for you and me to make us grow. And sometimes, yes, God will actually send us into the storm for our good and His glory. Providentially, sovereignly, the God of all creation will choose sometimes to send us into a storm. Notice with me in John's gospel now with that in mind. In John chapter 6, pick up in verse 15. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to a mountain by himself alone. And when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea and got into the boat and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. Would you turn over to Matthew chapter 14 as another gospel writer gives us a few more insights on this episode. Mark chapter 14. Again, this is happening just after the feeding of the five thousand, or by some accounts, could be fifteen, twenty thousand, if a wife and a child was with those men. So they just experience a tremendous miracle, a glorious working of God, and a, might I say, a test, a test of faith for them and trust that God would provide the food to feed these thousands of people. Notice what Matthew says in verse twenty-two of, Ma- of Matthew chapter fourteen. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. And when evening had come, he was alone there. Now, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I do not be afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter had gone down out of the boat and walked on the water to go to Jesus. And when he had saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. After the feeding of the thousands, the multitudes wanted to crown Jesus king. They had misunderstood the reason why Savior Messiah had come the first time. They were so desperate to be rescued from the oppression of the Roman government. They were tired of being under the thumb of the Roman government, and so many of their liberties have been taken away, so that by time that the Savior had come to them, they only saw him for what he could do for them rather than King Jesus to submit their lives to. And they were wrong. In the first coming of Jesus Christ, he came not to overthrow the Roman government— but to overthrow the the power of sin in an unforgiven life. He actually came to take care of a far worse problem than the oppression in a government. He came to save their souls. And in order to get the disciples away from the frenzy, he sends them out on a boat to the other side of the lake to get them away. And where does he go? He goes up on a mountain to pray. In verse 18 of John chapter 6, it says that a great wind was blowing. Peter, when he recognized the storm, he called it a boisterous wind. It's a big storm. The Sea of Galilee is actually a lake. It's 15 by 8 miles, about 700 feet below sea level. It's surrounded by mountains. Now, of course, we think of mountains as the Rocky Mountains. These aren't the Rocky Mountains, but they're high. And you could see if you were to go up on any of these mountains, on even on the side, on the hillside, you would have a good view of the entire sea of Galilee. So while the disciples are in a boat going in the middle of the sea, Jesus is going up by himself on a mountain, Matthew tells us, to pray. And now they're entering in the disciples to a different type of test. They're going to be tested in their faith and trust in Messiah. They're going to grow up and become mature and make spiritual advance— they're going to spiritually advance through this test, just like you and me. Because effectiveness comes to the believer through the storms of life. And there are storms in life. Now, storms we're using as a picture of trials— and the Bible uses the picture of storms all throughout its, its pages to describe the difficulties of life. And it's a picture that we can understand how storms show up suddenly, how they do such great quick damage, how they're, they're, they're not only sudden but unexpected and unwanted. And to be in the middle of one is not something that, that is desirable or fun. And so the storms, they come to us Sometimes storms come to us because of our own sinful mistakes, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. You could say in a real way that we bring on ourselves sometimes the storms of life as we deal with the consequences of our sinful decisions. The storms of life sometimes come upon us because of the sinfulness of others. No doubt someone listening to my voice right now is suffering pain and agony because of the sinful decision of someone else over which you have no control. And you're in a storm today. Sometimes we face the storms of life just simply because we live in a sinful world, a broken world, a world that is plagued by separation from God and animosity toward the people of God, and we suffer. And yet this one... This was a storm that God sent the disciples into. And that, for many of us, doesn't make any sense. Because when we think of storms, we think of avoiding them. When we we think of storms, we we think of, I don't want anything to do with them. For, For example, just yesterday... I had an appointment. It was really just Friday. I had an appointment to to teach. I was invited to teach the men up at Calvary Chapel in Cheyenne and all the northern Colorado churches. And so so me and Pastor Keegan, you know, as I was getting prepared, what did I do? I went online and I checked the weather because I wanted to know what is it going to be like? What's it going to be like? Where do I drive? What road should I take? What kind of clothes should I take? And I mean, if it was going to be a big storm, I don't know what I would have done. I probably would have tried to avoid the storm. Driving, I would drive, you know, 30 miles around the storm if I could. That's how we think. It makes sense. I hope you think that way. I hope you're not one of those guys. And I met, I've met many of you, so I know some of you are here. That on a big snowstorm on a Sunday, you wake up and say, man, I, there's no snowstorm going to stop me from going to church. I'm going to church. Honey, get ready. Get the kids ready. We're going to church. And there's like, but there's a storm outside, and it's boisterous. And, and you'll get the four-wheel drive, and your wife says, there, we don't have a four-wheel drive. Well, let's pretend we're going to church. <laughs> I do appreciate that because we're all here as well if we didn't close, but... I do appreciate that tenacity in you, but for the most part, we like to avoid storms. This is so counterintuitive to how we think, Jesus. Isn't it true? Haven't you found it to be true that God's ways are not your ways, and His thoughts are not your thoughts? And so here is Jesus sending the disciples into a storm. And you have the same questions that I have. So let's let's answer this, answer it out loud. Didn't Jesus know there was going to be a storm on the Sea of Galilee? Yes. Yes. And did Jesus send the disciples into the Sea of Galilee knowing there was gonna be a storm? Yes. Yes. And doesn't that lead to the third question? Why in the world would he do that? Why would he do that? Well, there's something that we forget in the midst of the storms of life. Because you're right. Jesus did know there was a storm coming. And you're right. He did send them into the storm. But you know something else he knew? He knew when he was going to show up to rescue them. He knew when it was going to end. Be encouraged today, church. He knows when it's going to end. And he knows when he's going to show up. And yet, even, even though we're waiting for him to show up and deliver, he's with us all the time. Oh no, Eddie's up on the mountain. Yeah, well, he's up on the mountain doing what? Praying. And can't you get the picture? Can't you get the picture? Jesus is up there, maybe, you know, he prays like we do sometimes, closes in his eyes. But can't, get you, can't you get the picture in your mind of a compassionate, loving Savior who has one eye closed praying to the Father and one eye open watching his boys? never losing sight. The Bible speaks of the eyes of God always upon you. He hasn't forgotten you. Yeah, Jesus sent them into the storm. You know, there are many types of storms that we read of in the Scriptures when it relates to believers. If you're jotting them down, you looked at them, you looked at a couple of them last time with Pastor Joshua, but let me repeat them for you so that we have them in the context of our time today. Number one we read of in the scriptures, correcting storms. That's what Jonah went through. He faced a correcting storm. He was called to preach the gospel to the Ninevites. And what did he do? He bought a ticket and went the exact opposite direction as far as he possibly could go in disobedience to God. He, he, he didn't want to obey God. And I was doing devos recently in the book of Jonah and, and I, this phrase just jumped off the page to me. That God was preparing a fish for Jonah. Now, those of you that are running away from the Lord, I don't know, but perhaps God is preparing a fish for you. A correcting storm. Not only was God preparing a fish for Jonah, but he was also preparing that fish to get sick at just the right time to vomit him at the right place. Think about that. God was preparing the fish and the vomit at the same time. Because rebelling against God is very sickening, and God will send a storm your way to correct you if you won't correct yourself. He loves you, and He wants you and I to be in the right place at the right time. Secondly, there are perfecting storms, correcting storms and also perfecting storms. God allows these to come into our lives to teach us a lesson. I think a great example of that is the life of Joseph. Joseph was the kind of young man that all of us as parents want to raise. I mean, he was dedicated. In, in the totality of Joseph's life, there isn't anything mentioned of ungodliness or rank sinfulness in his life in the Bible. And yet, the brother went through great difficulty in his life. He had family difficulty, he had personal difficulty. He, he was accused of great and horrendous sins that he never took place. He was forgotten, he felt abandoned. I mean, if we were to talk to Joseph at any time in his life and say, Joe, you don't understand, man. This is going to end so well. God is preparing you. He's perfecting you. He's training you. You're going to be second in command. God is going to bring your brothers back to you. They're going to apologize because they're hungry. You're going to feed them. God's going to rescue your family. You're going to show everyone for all eternity the faithfulness of God. So just hang in there, Joe. It's going to, I mean, come on. If we came to him with that story in the pit, I would imagine Joseph's response would be, I see you're at the edge of the pit, can you please get me out and then tell me the story? And that's how you feel sometimes, is it not, when somebody comes with encouraging words in your storm? You just, you're not in a place to hear them, or even a place to believe them. Or as we saw in the testimony, there are those times in the difficulty, you don't even want to talk to God. Those are human responses, they're normal. They're not the best, and they're not favorable, but they're normal. And you just keep taking those steps of faith toward God. You just keep holding on. I mean, here in the disciples, they're involved in what I believe is is the third type of storm. Not only are there correcting storms and perfecting storms, but thirdly, there's the protecting storm. Protecting. This is what I believe the disciples are going through. A storm designed to keep them from something far worse, to get caught up in the frenzy, to doubt Jesus as the savior of the world for their sins, not politically. And so he's separating them away to get them away from the masses. And the, you know how the hype gets when, there's, when a lot of people are doing something, seems like everybody jumps in and they're human is just as much as anyone else. And he's protecting them. And protecting storms are used to protect us from something that would surely hurt us, harm us, or destroy us, especially when we can't see it in the moment. You know, sometimes a setback comes in your life, a serious one and a painful one. It might seem it's so huge and monumental and that you'll never recover. But in reality, it becomes the best thing that could have ever happened to you. Maybe you wouldn't have gotten that new job if you wouldn't have lost the previous one. Perhaps you would never be involved in that brand new ministry that you're in had God not closed that door you were looking to in another place. Maybe you would have never found that special man or that special woman that the Lord had personally picked out for you if you had remained forever in that previous relationship that was so painful when you broke up. And what happens in these storms is we do exactly like the disciples. We fight the storm, and we row against the storm, and we push against it, and this can't possibly be from God, and this pain can't possibly be used by God, and I just don't see how it's possible. And what? It could be exactly what God has for you. Because sometimes
0: Jesus sends us into a storm. So there are correcting storms, perfecting storms, and protecting storms. There's one more type that Pastor Ed Taylor will address in just a moment here on Abounding Grace. So stay tuned. We're in a series called Help for the Troubled Heart. And I'd imagine this is just what many of you are needing to hear right now as you're in the midst of a difficult season of life. If you'd like to request this entire series or today's study alone, please call 877-30-GRACE. We've also put this entire series, Help for the Troubled Heart, onto a USB thumb drive, making it super easy to load onto your computer, listen to in your car, or give to that person in your life that is hurting and could use the encouragement. We'll gladly send the series on the thumb drive for a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Just call 877-30-GRACE and we can take your request for this special offer. Again, that's 877-30-GRACE. You can also access the studies online at helpforthetroubledheart.com. Thanks for your generous gifts to support Abounding Grace. Your donation will serve to help us bring these daily studies to your station and many others like it every day. Call us at 877-30-GRACE. If your heart is troubled today and you'd like someone to pray for you, we'd invite you to send in your requests for prayer at calvaryaurora.org. Let's see what that fourth type of storm is as we return to Ed. There's a fourth kind of storm that I lay before you, and that's shared with us
1: by Jesus himself, and that is the revealing storm. Now, I think all storms reveal, but sometimes there are specific things in life that are used by God to reveal the very foundation of your life. That's how Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 7. He gave us this parable of two guys that build houses. I get the picture of, you know, they're track houses, same neighborhood. You know, they look the same. They're painted the same. You wouldn't be able to tell the difference between them. If you were a realtor, you would just like, hey, either one of them, pick which one. But then storms came, and the rains came, and the winds came, and the flood came, and the Bible says, Jesus says, they beat down on those houses. And one house stood... And the other house was destroyed. And what was revealed through the storm? The foundation. What they built on. One guy built on rock, and one guy thought he could get away with building on sand. And isn't it true that God will allow things in your life to reveal your current foundation? that you could spend your whole life building and working and living life only to find out that you built on the wrong foundation. You thought you could get away with it, but we can't get away with it. How does Jesus describe that? He simply says this, anybody that hears my teachings and does them, you're building your house the right way. And anyone that hears my teachings and doesn't do them, it's like building your house on, a sand, on sand. And how will you know that Jesus is saying the truth when the storms of life come? Because if you've built your house and your life on
0: sand, the storms of life will reveal that to you. Revealing storms. We'll hear more about them next time on Abounding Grace when Pastor Ed Taylor returns with more help for the troubled heart.